We got Counterpoint going. We got round one, which of course is brought to you by our friends at Pizzaville. You know where to find them, pizzaville.ca, or you can call them up at 416-736-3636. Tonight on the show, we got Saron Gebra Selassie. Got it? On the first try. There you go. New uh, new voice on the show, human rights lawyer, and of course, ran in the last mayoral election here in Toronto. Welcome, welcome. And Stephen Sparling worked, of course, at every level of government, and you survived. Now the president of Halton Government Relations. Good to have you. Glad Thank to be you, here. Alan. All right. Um, you know, the story, of course, that we're watching uh, this nationwide manhunt, it's on the TV screens, all everywhere you turn, this is what people are, are, are tuning into. Um, and certainly we've, you know, a lot of questions come up as to, don't you know what your kids are up to? Because the father of Briar Schmegaleski is speaking out. He initially said, you know, Briar was a good kid. Now, of course, after the fact, we learned he was a loner. He had a fascination with death, neo-Nazism, militia, guns. He spent hours on YouTube and online kind of alone. Um, he struggled, apparently. Uh, and then he found a friend in Cam McLeod. We haven't heard as much about him, but certainly it's easy to play armchair quarterback. But there were issues. I mean, just listen to some of his classmates as to what they say about them. He would say things about how he would, like, cut our heads off and then he would take a gun and put it in his mouth and shoot himself in front of us. Like, it, pretty detailed stuff. I know, like, my friends who have had the same experiences as I had with him, they're all kind of scared about it. And no one really wants to say anything either because they're scared. You know, Sarah, we we see the red flags all the time in the aftermath. And it begs the question, Okay, so if everyone knew that there were all these these warning signs, why didn't anyone report? Yeah, the first thing I thought is, why weren't they on the RCMP's radar leading up? I mean, there's been some pretty sympathetic coverage of the two, but I would, you know, I'm not about to be an apologist for two sympathizers with neo-Nazi ideologies. That's no secret. And uh, and so, yeah, it begs the question, how were they not on anyone's radar and why were they not profiled or, you know, because uh, you know, we don't profile. We don't. Profile. But but yeah, I mean, but but not maybe not an RCMP, but certainly uh, Stephen, they could have been on a watch for the school. Why didn't anyone go to the, the guidance counselor, the administration? Did no one notice? Well, you know, I, I think really since 9-11, we all have a responsibility to be more vigilant of people around us. I well, mean, we always talk uh, about let's know, talk, yeah, mental illness, all these things, but no I one's know. talking. Hell. And we, we have to make sure, and it, maybe government has a role in here in messaging that clearly. Like when you know somebody creepy at your school or work, you, you, you tend to just stay away from them, like as far away as you can. Instead of, you know, if people are posting things that are crazy, like this guy with guns and, you know, army fatigue and, uh, you know, Nazi symbols, even my own mother. I remember when my son, my brother was in his 20s, he came home one time with a jean jacket with a swastika on it. Like, she sent him out, like, get out of here. Like, do not be wearing anything like that. You know, it's not correct. It's not appropriate. It's not right. And he got the message. And, like, you have to be, as a parent, you've got to be on this stuff. And maybe he comes from a dysfunctional family. I don't know. But we as well, we all Canadians do. I mean, have who to doesn't come it. from a dis- We all have dysfunctions. I mean, Lord knows I got my own. But certainly as a parent, I think you gotta, you have to watch, you have to be involved. You can't let YouTube raise your kids. I'd agree, Alex. And I'm, I'm also inclined to look at the trend. I was at the Manassian trial not too long ago, and, and we see this trend of uh, sort of extremism and a rise in, you know, far right, you know, white nationalism, which Christia Freeland has also talked about and declared a national 
uh, an issue of national concern. So mm-hmm. it's a that's bold. It's a you know sort of dark times I think um, this year and. Well, certainly this will probably uh, provoke a conversation after, you know, when we finally get a resolution to this, but uh, certainly... It's a tragedy on all sides. On all sides. You know, for the families, on, you know, the victims, and potentially these two two teens that have... Whatever the scenario is. Absolutely. Um, let's talk, talk a little bit about the uh, Globe and Mail's Robert Fife. He's uh, he's sniffing around and he is finding stuff. But uh, in the last two days, we've gotten reports of two former diplomats told not to talk publicly about China, because apparently now we live in a communist country. But they have been uh, outspoken about the Prime Minister's response or lack thereof to this file. And uh, i got to say, Team Trudeau just handed this to the opposition, who will now be reminding voters of this pattern of inform- you know interference in this current government. Here's Lisa Raitt, the Deputy House uh, Leader, speaking up. But we've seen these denials before. And in fact, we endured an entire spring of having bits and pieces of information come out over and over again about exactly how deep the Prime Minister, his office, his former and now back again advisor, Gerald Butts, in terms of giving information, in terms of covering up issues, and in terms of trying to silence people as they want to tell the truth about what was going on within the SNC-Lavalin affair. The Trudeau government, uh, Stephen, sure is lucky it's summer because, you know, these are the very reminders that Canadians will be triggered to remember, oh yeah, we just came through SNC and Mark Norman, all the rest of it. But again, what are they doing telling everyday citizens what they can and can't do? Well, of course, they've denied that they've done that. Right. But the the bottom line is, Lisa Reed is he thinks they doff protest too yeah, much. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, he Trudeau has failed time and time again on foreign affairs, and the handling of this China file is outrageously poor. I mean, David Mulroney is a very outspoken former ambassador to China, and nobody's going to control him. So I tend to believe him that you know they you know that global affairs came to him and say, hey, got to toe the line versus the Prime Minister's office saying no, that nobody did that. So, from what I can see... Well, when there's two, I mean, you also have Guy, guy yeah. Saint-Jacques, and he's like... Oh, I don't know really? him, but he, he's, he's another respected former diplomat. Well, yeah, yeah. both of them are, and yeah. you would think that maybe the government would lean on these guys and say, hey, what's the expertise you can give us? They don't want to seem to lean on anybody for information. I hope that David Mulroney completely disregards the directive, which is what it was. It was, a, you know, toe the, the the party line. This is what the PMO's office uh, wants to say on this and don't depart from that. And I am hoping that he continues to disregard the prime minister's he said office. He would. The good news is he said he would. Yeah. And, you know, it's frustrating because what's the first thing that comes to mind? Jody Wilson-Raybould and SNC. And he's a private citizen right now. He is not at the behest of the prime minister's office. And I would have to agree with you. The prime minister couldn't even get a meeting with the premier of China. And what does that say about how this is going to be managed? And we have two Canadians that are detained right now. That uh, And this is a leadership that they're getting from their country of origin so is china an election issue i mean i know the trudeau government would not like it to be is it an election issue i don't know if it's a kitchen table issue i don't know if like the average canadian family is going to be talking about this at home in terms of how they're going to cast their ballot but i it does increase that cloud of suspicion and it taints the prime minister's office again for interfering in sort of um, independent thought and for 
you know, policing what uh, I think it's an issue. Say. I do too. I think I'll, I I'll think see why I disagree with because I look at it, Stephen, and I say, well, if it, I mean, we have two Canadians that, that I think that resonates with Canadians. They are deeply worried and upset for these these two men who are being tortured every day, but also for the farmers who are are, are losing their shirts over you know canola and and pork and all these you know the, the weaponization of trade, which is a signature move by China. Yeah, so they play tough. Yeah, like they play hard. Oh, yeah, and Trudeau's not playing hard, oh, and they are not. He's like that dog that kind of rolls over as soon as he sees you. you. Know, even, himself. even Friedland, yeah. who goes on and says, well, this is a rule of law company, a country, and we are the rule of law, and we don't interfere. Well, <laughs> that's not what they did in SNC-Lavalin. And, you know, just the handling has consistently been poor from the beginning till now. And by the way, it's not only that, like, China was the third highest tourist to Canada. They've mm. cut that in half. Like, it was $1.3 billion just two years ago, or before last December, and right now, this year, it's down by half. So, like, there's many ways that we are not uh, benefiting from this. And I think Canadians should be. I mean, the way that the Prime Minister handled the India trip, the way that he try, he sent in his people to try to muzzle the, the media there mm. is exactly what he's trying yeah. to do on this file. And it's, you know, Aaron O'Toole was talking about it. Lisa Raid is talking about it. The leader, Andrew Shear is talking about it. But I don't hear too much from Jagmeet Singh talking about much on any of these files. Well, yeah, he's he's uh, falling flat right now, so he's uh, got to get out there. We've got Siron, J- oh, I'm going to screw it up the second time, uh, Jebra Selassie. Jebra Selassie. Gebra Selassie. Gebra Selassie. Oh, I got it once, right? I'll get yeah. it the next time. Got it right. In studio and Stephen Sparling in. Um, let's talk a little bit about Maxime Bernier and then we'll get to the resume issue. But he, of course, uh, you know, says if he becomes prime minister, his government will slash Immigration and refugee numbers build a fence to block asylum seekers from walking across the border and a program that lets immigrant uh, sponsor their families uh, to join. Um, and, and he denounced mass immigration and extreme multiculturalism, saying that the policies would lead to social conflicts and, you know, potential violence. And, and he essentially said Canada must look after its own citizens first and focus on newcomers who bring economic value to the country. We've done a lot of polling, well, not personally, but there's been a lot of polling done on this, Saran. 63% of Canadians polled in June would like a control or a cap put on immigration. And when you look at the polling done earlier in, uh, you know, the January, February, you know, overwhelmingly, across party lines, 80% of Canadians want this issue with the border crossing and the irregular crossers. They want it dealt with. This is a big issue, and I think uh, if it weren't Maxime Bernier uh, launching this policy, this will be popular, I think, with Canadians who say, yeah, this makes sense. Alex, I was at the Roxham Road border crossing uh, where Maxime was, uh, where he, he was talking about building this fence around, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's a border town, and th- there was a well, major, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and there was this largest mass exodus of migrants under the Trump administration coming into Canada in Canadian history illegally through the Roxham Road and Leckhold border crossings, and so what I was calling for is suspending the Safe Third Country Agreement so that we're not forcing people to put their lives at risk in in crossing at unofficial border crossing points. I think Maxime Bernier's call for this fence is appalling. I think it's a cry for attention and it's desperate uh, to pander and appeal to that sentiment in Canadians. And it's um, clearly sort of playing copycat to Donald Trump's tendencies. And 
he has no chance of being prime minister, so I don't even know why Maxime Bernier gets as much attention as, as he does. Well, he's only, get, well, he's only getting attention on this because like, I barely talk about him because you're right. He, he's not really he's not resonating. He's got two percent support. But but, you know, I think people do want to see see that that unofficial border crossing sealed off. Canadians, including immigrants who come here, do not want the immigration spoiled, ruined and or compromised. They just want it to be fair. So let's yep. let's get rid of this treaty that is the 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 reason why we have uh, all of this crossings through well, country the, shop. Yeah, you can't country road. shop. You but get in that, line and the, come through the proper way. The but problem Alex, is the, the treaty, liberals. The liberals have got like this like this open border policy. Like they're like the Democrats in the states. Like let them all in. We'll do it everything with no plan. 350 million people, at least under Harper, we tightened everything up. We kept it numbers tight at 250,000. It was harder to get in. We were trying to match skills with needs in the country. And, you know, right now you have no plan. They're the coming in here. We don't have a strategy yeah. how to deal with them. We don't have a strategy how to house them. We don't have a, a health care to look after them. It's bad. Well, and the minister Max himself has said, yes, the, the, we've compromised our immigration system. I, I, I'm going to have to disagree. Do, you, do we really really think that under the Trump administration that the U.S. is a safe third country yes. under the treaty? Yes. Even with ICE and even yes. with the... They the, only arrested 23 people the other day. Yes, if people come in illegally and you're breaking the law, you've got to go. I'm we sorry. have to have we a have, wall. I, yeah. I, I'm going to have to disagree. I think that the sentiment is actually different on the ground. I think that the under Trump, with everything that we've seen under under ICE and children being detained yeah, in but cages... That's a, I'm talking about Can, like, yeah, but Canada. That, that, like, but that's, that's the, what, that's the reason. But Canada is a, the is a multicultural the problem country. There. The Democrats are the ones who have held up $4.5 billion But again, I don't want to get into the that. debate of like... The point is, I think, given the polling we've seen and given it's it's not partisan, I mean, Canadians just do not want to see immigration exploited in this country they don't controlled numbers have a strategy for bringing people in we have a responsibility to help refugees come to this country we have to do our part we have a responsibility to have proper immigration and to help people to come in and to integrate successfully the liberals do not have it, and I don't see any strategy coming out of the end of the NDP. I don't see anything. Well, I'm, the I'm NDP com- has called for the suspension of the Safe Third Country Agreement, but Canada, I, I, I don't know what all this this sort of xenophobic fear of immigrants are in this country. We are set, we are supposed to be this country. Yeah, that no, we are. We're, we're, the we're, most country in the we're not a, we're not a country of walk in at your will. I you mean, can't, that's, you can't. You got to have a border. I you mean, to. in Toronto okay, alone, hold on. There are I want to get out of Canada. Yeah. What's that? A f- like a border in Canada akin to the wall in the No, no, no but we have a border and you have we to have, go have you have yeah, you have to go in at official points. You can't just cross wherever you want. And that includes So then and- why wouldn't we suspend the treaty, the safe third country agreement? Because we're not you have to have a wall, okay? We, uh, I want to get these last two in because I'm running out of yes. time. Uh, because when you talk immigration, literally, you can debate it for about a billion years. Um, and I want to, I want you on this because you're a lawyer. Uh, should having a tough life get you a lighter sentence? An Ontario judge, and I'm going to go through the details of it with, with Lauren Honickman, who's a lawyer, and is going to go through the, the, the minutiae. Um, but an Ontario judge has raised colonialism, racism, and the inquiry into missing and murdered Indigenous women as reasons for declaring part of Canada's impaired driving laws unconstitutional. And uh, he said it was unjust giving a criminal record to a 22-year-old Indigenous woman caught with a blood alcohol level three times the legal limit. A lot of people grow up with hardship in their family, but I'm not sure two systems is going to go over very well. Alex, have you ever been into one of uh, our prisons in this country? I have. 
And I've been to a few. Yes, and Stephen, I don't know. As the media, not like because I was in car. My so, grandfather was the mayor of Kingston. I went to lots <laughs> of prisons go. with okay. him, cutting ribbons. So you look at our prisons everywhere across this country, and what are the demographics in those prisons like? It's disproportionately First Nations, Inuit, Métis, uh, Canadians, African Canadians. We don't have a whole lot of middle class and affluent Canadians incarcerated. So um, this decision is is actually in line with what the Supreme Court of Canada that judges are required to do in, in the Gladu Supreme Court of Canada decision, we have to take into consideration the fact that that these communities okay, what, are over. Then, of course, you're going to get people saying, like, I, I also had a hard upbringing. I've had challenges. I mean, th- when you talk about some things are okay for you, but not for you, people will look at it as two systems. Justice should be blind to some degree to race, color, creed, all that stuff. I mean... I didn't mind that the, that the lawyer in this case was really pushing his case, but to say it's colonialism that caused it and her hardship, a lot of people have a lot of hardship. I, like, I don't have a problem with them, but we have to protect the public. I mean, she drove with three times the legal limit. She took her her parents' car without them knowing, and yeah, she and her boyfriend had a fight, and she ran it up on somebody's lawn over the curb, and the police finally tracked her down, and she's been sort of doing all the right things since then, but... Just because she's an indigenous person, I don't know. Like, we want to be helpful and fair to everybody. I agree. But this is a, a system, you know, we want to make sure the public is safe and that we're being sensitive. So I, it's a tough but Stephen, that's not what the law says. The law in the, the Supreme Court of Canada is very clear yes. under the Gladu decision. Judges have to take into consideration if someone comes from a First Nations background. How would you explain the fact I, that... I get that that's a mitigating factor in the sentence, uh, the sentence of the decision. However, I just think most people will see this and say, we clearly have two systems. If we're going to do it, let's be honest about it. Give her a shot we at, at a good two life. Ju- so. We have two systems of justice. You covered the courts well, for no, many the years. The Trudeau government has two Two levels of justice. But you know from covering yes, courts yeah. when you were a, a court reporter <laughs> mm-hmm. that the if you're working, you know, if you're poor in this country, you don't really have a shot in the justice system. You may as well, you know, under the legal aid system. There's no question there's a cycle that, you know, it, it, without question, it's in, it's out, it's in and out. And, and that should be. But again, I just don't, I'm not sure how this will go. I'll, I'll go through it with Lauren, but I see uh, this being challenged many, many rich ways. Um, I, I would love to keep going. I'm out of time. I'm out of time. You both talk too much. Hey, what can I say? Smart people talk too yeah. much. But I thank you both for coming in. Saran Gebra Selassie. Did I get That's it? Perfect. Yeah, I got yeah. it. All right, good. We'll have you back. Thank you. And st- now that I've mastered it, I've got to have you back. And Stephen Sparling, I thank you both for coming. I appreciate it. Delighted yeah. to be here. This, of course, has been Counterpoint, brought to you by Pizzaville. You can head over to pizzaville.ca or call them up, 416-736-3636.